P.S. I Love Hoffman is brought to you by the Cage Club Podcast Network. For all things Cage Club related, head on over to cageclub.me. That's cageclub.me. So we have a lot to talk about this week, Kyle. I'm excited for this this episode, but um, want to get some things out of the way first. Uh, sure. One kind of more somber, and one more. Um, I guess I mean I don't funny a little, but more interesting. Um, yeah, I know where you're going with this. <laughs> I just yeah, we want to thank our Afghanistan fans for really, uh, really making the Charlie Wilson's War uh, podcast episode a hit. Yeah, I feel like I should hold my laptop above my head like Tom Hanks holds the bazooka as like I'm like (laughs) this episode has been like a champion over there and I hope I mean I hope you know people could just be liking the post but I hope they're listening and tuning into other uh you know fun cage club and just some maybe some good old American yeah I mean I hope they're listening I mean I I just like on a whim kind of decided to run the little ads we do in Afghanistan because Charlie Wilson's war obviously part of it takes place in Afghanistan it's about Afghanistan and the feedback from Afghanistan has been amazing. I mean, in less than 24 hours, we had more than 500 likes on the post. That's amazing. 500. I mean, yeah, much more. It's it's insane. But so thank you, thank you, Afghanistan. And uh, the other thing I wanted to discuss is I don't know Kyle, you read it and we were talking about it. Is the the great article in Vogue by Philip Seymour Hoffman's? I guess they technically weren't married, so not widow, but his former partner Mimi yeah. O'Donnell. Um, yeah, it's. I mean, I mean, just an emotional. I mean, we clear. We clearly. I mean, everyone knows. Just. I mean, you know, we unfortunately lost him uh, over. It's almost four years ago now, and uh, yeah, in this article, I mean, she really reflects on it. Yeah, I mean, my favorite part of the article was. I mean, yeah, that was great, and it's well written, and. I'm just happy to hear from her because, I mean, you and I have just from talking to people like she's been pretty private about this death. I'm sure she was heartbroken. I mean, she was a mother of his children and seems seems genuinely like the love of his life. Um, But it's just like I'm I'm happy we hear from her, but it is very sad. But what I was going to say is my favorite part of it, though, is the fact like how they met and just how passionate he was he's like she depicts him as being so not necessarily passionate about film i mean he was passionate about theater of course but just passionate about family and that's like that's a nice side of him and yeah it is really sad like where the article ends up and how he falls back into addiction and it started with just basically saying you know i'm gonna try drinking and he just tried having one drink and it just spiraled into spiraled into unfortunately his demise yeah unfortunately i mean people you think one drink especially i mean in the realm of alcohol from beer to wine to liquor like you think like oh a a beer like that's nothing but i mean to some people it's and it's not even like that's what you get drunk off of but it just almost brings like an emotional toll back and just reminds you of like when you were consuming that and what you were taking at the time and i mean it's just this whole psychological level that i will never uh you know come to understand but yeah i do love the whole i mean that um just how passionate i just i like to imagine he's he was a, a like a romantic guy i mean just anyone i mean he's a creative person and just his love for theater and film and 
I mean, I mean, she, Mimi O'Donnell in her own right is like a very amazing, uh, you know, behind the scenes person, not just in like costume design and set design. You know, she's d- directed plays as well. And it's just, again, it's awesome to see two passionate people get together. And it's just pretty sad, like how it ended up. But I mean, we're all, again, appreciative of his work and happy he was with us for the time that he was with us. Yeah. And I, I just want to, I mean, well, I was just about to say I, I want to thank her. Um, no, I mean you can. Yeah. No. Uh, no. I, I'm just thankful uh, that she. I mean, this has definitely been a year of people. I mean, sh- sharing, and this is. I mean, drug addiction or just any. I mean, addictions in general. They're. I feel like. I mean, just. I, every every day, I just hear stuff from where, even where we grew up about people having uh, problems and people passing, and so I mean, it's just very courageous of her to share, and because you know, because it's their it's their personal life, and so it's just. Uh, I mean, it's a great article to read, and I hope uh, all you Hoff fans, if you haven't read it already, you check it out. Yeah, definitely check it out. It's in. Uh, it's the January edition of Vogue, but it's already online. Um, de- definitely have a read. Yeah, yeah. I'm super thankful that she uh, wrote it because it's like, you know, she didn't have to share those intimate details and she did. No, you know, she I did. feel closer to the situation now, and I know enough to be that close, but you know what I mean. It, it, it it's, it's nice. So we, we definitely thank Mimi O'Donnell for that. And uh, if you're interested in Philip Hoffman, I don't know why you'd be listening if you weren't, but just have a listen. Iggy Pop, amen. Let it ride. I'm a fucking idiot. Red meat, we crave sustenance. I'm an artist. Hello, my name is Truman Capote. Why don't you have some fun? Fun, fun. Tommy, that's a paper. Whoever she is, I'm gonna find her and I'm gonna hurt her. I've spent the past three years learning Finnish. <laughs> I'm always home, I'm like, cool. This is a process of dehypnotization. Shut, 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 shut up! Hey, Hoff fans, welcome to this week's edition of the PSI Love Hoffman podcast, our love letter to the remarkable career of the late, great Philip Seymour Hoffman. I'm Brian Rodriguez. And I'm Kyle Reinfried. We're always home, we're always uncool, and we're always ready to talk great movies. Kyle, we got an uh, interesting title today, interesting film. Yes, I was. Tr- we both tried to say it a couple times on last week's episode, because it's one of those, like, Sin- tongue twisters. Sin- Sinodachi. Yes, Synecdoche. There we go. Synecdoche, New York. Yes. It's like Synecdoche, New York. The Place Beyond the Pines, starring Ryan Gosling. <laughs> that's Schenectady. Oh, whoops. Anyway. But that's where most of the movie takes place. But joining us... Well, I don't know. I, isn't most of the movie take place in the warehouse? Yeah. Well, I, I, yeah. I, I, guess, I guess it's a very convoluted question to what some call a in convoluted a, film. Oh. But we have a great guest. Um, you might remember him from the Twister podcast. We're certainly not in Wakita, Oklahoma anymore. No. <laughs> no, we're not. Oh, God, I knew this it. film. I knew it. <laughs> uh, Whit Leyenberger, thank you, from Drunk Shakespeare, the famous. Oh, yeah. Oh, the, the world famous. It is world famous. It, it's it's 17 on TripAdvisor. I just checked for shows yeah, man. in New York. It's, it's, this is a big city. I know. Well, listen, it's like world famous in that, you know, there is a poster for it in a small airport in like, you know, like Singapore or something. And so like thus people around the world know it. That's awesome. Um, yeah. No, I mean, uh, well, thanks for having me on, guys. I'm really excited uh, to talk about this film. This is... Um, 
Yeah, this is my favorite film, I think. I think this wow. is my favorite film, which which is a little bit of a hot take, but... Yeah, it was just about a year ago. I believe it was actually at our mutual friends, who's also a guest on the Twister episode, John Harden, also a Capote episode, and... I believe it was his birthday last January, and we were talking because we didn't start the podcast yet. But we were like just talking about it or whatever. And we were softly mentioning, yeah, softly mentioning it, and I believe the, higher, the theater yeah. crowd. And and I believe uh, that's when we mentioned it to you, and you're like, oh, if I could be on that episode, yeah. So and, that, yeah, this is yeah. this this film. Um, I'm in love with this film. I'm in love with this film, um, and it has it has real problems, and like I understand why some people don't enjoy it like i can i can totally get that and i feel like like i went on like rotten tomatoes and it's like a 67 percent or something like that um and it's like this is um now audience or critic uh critic i think i think critic and it's like uh let me actually i'll pull that up um but like this film is like a real true three outcome film to use a baseball metaphor in in baseball like a, a three outcome player is a guy who's either going to strike out walk or hit a home run mm-hmm. and i feel like that's how someone's going to react to this film sure either it's going to be like a like it's either going to be like just like something that does not resonate with them at all and like like actually actively bothers them with how long and how like Byzantine it is as a film or someone's going to walk away being like ah, that, that, okay whatever like that was whatever or it's going to be like something that really impacts the way that someone examines their life and thinks about you know art and thinks about themselves and things about and that's how that film this film was for me well, we're definitely glad to have you on just to check that it's 69 percent 69 critics 69 71 percent audience so the audience liked it a little more than the critics but that's, that's impressive that's, but that's like a you know roger ebert that's within the margin this is of one error. of his favorite film of the top 10 of the 2000s yeah what yeah. you're saying kind of resonates because when you read the critical analysis it's pretty much those three things well i i feel like i feel like there's something flawed with that i feel like you need to want this movie to see it because like you know in the real world like everybody who's like who who doesn't want to see this film who it, it, it's a very self-selecting film you know it's not like this film is billed like a movie like jurassic park where it's like it's meant for everybody <laughs> you know it's a film that's like oh god it's a really deep think piece starring philip seymour hoffman written and directed by Charlie Kaufman. Like, that's a, like, you know, but the thing is that critics have to see every movie. Yeah. You know, and because it's, like, a movie by a rather major director and, like, a very, you know, a direct, uh, a director who drives a lot of discourse. Well, this um, was his directorial debut, debut yes. right? So yeah. At least at the time, he's, yeah. like, a very well-known writer. I mean, this Probably is the writer the of... famous writer. Yeah. Screenwriter in America. This is the writer Ooh, of being John. Aaron Sorkin wants to come over there and have a word. <laughs> okay. Which we just had uh, with uh, Charlie Wilson. Yeah, Ford, I would so. say he's not currently the most fa- uh, there Charlie Kaufman no. anymore. But, but this I mean, is certainly his prime. Yeah, writer of... Uh, Char- Charlie, if you're out there, man, it's you, you, everything you do is prime. Everything you do, man. <laughs> I mean, writer of being John Malkovich... Uh, Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind Adaptation, Adaptation. Can't that one Okay, so this is, I think This this is something that I, I don't know if I read this a long time ago And I've just forgotten it And I just like had it, thought it was like my own thought or, or if it was And then I just read it on trivia the other day But is this a better movie 
if Spike Jones directs it. Someone with a he, bit he was, more yeah, experience. He was just for our audience. He is the original director, and he yes. left it to direct where the wild where things are. Where the wild are. things are, because right. that was taking much longer than he thought it would take. Yeah. I, I feel like it's one of those things, too, where he was like, yeah, I gotta go, but Charlie, you just finish it. You should go for it. You know, like Because at the same time, then you had um, Michel Gondry doing, I think, like, Green Hornet or something like Science that. of Sleep. It was like, this is right after yeah, Science of Sleep. This is like Science a year of... after Science of Sleep, so Green Hornet sounds yeah, right. I, I I just think that Maybe if, be kind if Spike Jones, Yeah, Be Could Kind be, Rewind yeah. It's like right time. that same era. But yeah. I, I just always thought that this lacked a lot. I, I really enjoy the film. There's definitely plenty of parts that are still, like, like re-watching it the other day, still over my head. Um... But I think it's just like there's like a little part that I think if there was just an experienced director, it would have helped just that much more. And so I, in my head, I was just always like, oh, I wish Spike Jones directed it. Charlie Kaufman, you know, like wrote it. And I think, you know, he's a hands on writer anyway. He's always on set. And then it, it just always I, I like where the wild things are. But I always thought Michel Gondry would have done better on that just because he has just much more of like a childlike nature to his sure, filmmaking. Sure. Armchair producing, but I like it. No, this is what we're here for. Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, okay. So originally, the film was like supposed to be. It, it was literally called "Untitled Horror Piece" uh, by Spike Jones, and yeah. So like Spike Jones and Charlie Kaufman sat down and they started to write a movie, uh, a, a horror movie, not about like jump scares and like a haunted house no, or whatever, just... but about things that really scared them. Yeah. Um, and like, you know, and so in like a lot of that carries over into this film. Um, and then, you know, Spike Jones left to do, uh, where the wild things are. The question of like, whether it would have been a better movie, um, that's hard. I mean, like w- when we did Twister, like I was just like all too eager to like <laughs> get rid of half of the cast. Um, and as an actor, um, I feel like, you know, like I, I can say I could talk shit on that. Uh, but like, you know, and I have like, like the actors in this film, I have like a sort of unhealthy reverence for the people who like write and direct pieces of art. Um, and so like, you know, I, I don't know. I feel like this movie is like, it's probably about 20 minutes too long, um, but it's like, not like just at the end, although like the end is like... It's two hours, five minutes. That's not terribly... No, but it's, no, but it's like, it's feels, love. Yeah. Or no, even you love it, towards the end. Feel yeah. It. Yeah. It feels like life, which I guess like could be right. like a it's positive like, thing. Well, know, they're just like covering so comparison. much, and at the same time, also, I think your brain while watching is just like, wait, so what warehouse are we in? And like, what, you know, like, yeah, you know, yeah. you just, you just, it's, it's even, again, Roger Ebert, like one of his favorite films, I think just in general, but it seemed like top 10 of like 2000s. And he said, this requires minimum two viewings. And then by the oh, third uh, one absolutely. is when you like really start. Yeah to like appreciate, appreciate it yeah. that much more or just in, get to enjoy the simpler moments cuz everything else you're just like the first time I mean I watched this I think I actually saw this in theaters mm-hmm. and I own it on Blu-ray Yeah you did I remember cuz I asked you how it was and you're like I liked it but I thought it needed direction wow. <laughs> Okay so uh, I've had the same for uh <laughs> well that's good almost right? 10 years now the same opinion. So just 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 on length <laughs> um it's for me I almost wish they got to the MacArthur Grant earlier in the film. Yeah, that um, just. Yeah. Other than that, like, I, the pace works because I think we're. Not, I think that's what we're supposed to feel. Mm-hmm. Like what he, they're trying to show, but mm-hmm. I don't know. Let, let's let's get into this, but I don't want to skip one of our favorite parts, Kyle. So Ooh, why don't you tell? 
or try to tell our, our yeah, I just kept it audience bare. what this film is about. I kept it, <laughs> I, kept, I, I, kept, I kept it bare bones because when watching the special features, uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman, when describing, it was like it is. It's a very simple idea, but then obviously it just then extrapolates into craziness. But anyway, so Caden Cotard is a writer and theater director. When his wife leaves him and he receives a grant, he moves to New York City to start a play that he'll work on the rest of his life. As the play grows, reality becomes a bit more dreamlike. Ooh, I could see that on the back of a DVD. Yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, <laughs> yeah, that's, I mean, like, you know, that's like, you have to throw in, like, you can't just make it, like, seem like a simple story, so then you gotta throw in the little, like... I mean, I, I just... The big thing I read was that he said... Um, Oh, thank God someone like really, really went deep on this movie because I, <laughs> I've seen this movie probably a dozen times. Uh, I'm like, I know, uh, I'm I'm pretty unashamed <laughs> about that. But I hadn't seen it in probably a year, and so I like started watching this movie last night at one o'clock when I got home from the show, and I was like, oh God, my life is doomed um, because you guys were showing up in the morning to do this podcast. Yeah, thank we, you again we, for coming. We should yes. mention that. The last time we might have been a little tipsy. You're drunk every night for Shakespeare. <laughs> for thing. Shakespeare, yeah. but we are stone for Shakespeare. Yeah. For, Shakespeare. For, Shakespeare. Yeah, for Shakespeare, but we are stone cold sober this morning. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Uh, <laughs> right, 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 right. It's carrying over. Don't make any problems. in Jersey City. Anyway, uh, but no. So it was actually uh, Charlie Kaufman that said he's just so weird when he talks. He just always has his head down. And he's just like yeah, you know, like a really soft-spoken guy. But uh, he said it's. Dream logic, but in reality. Gotcha. That, gotcha. I think, really helps you just yeah, like, accept yeah. things a bit more. Just for instance, the house that, uh, what's the character? Uh, Hazel. The house that Hazel lives in that's constantly on fire. What a what a perfect fucking metaphor. What <laughs> Wait, a perfect what, metaphor. What, what, tell me. Tell with, us. With the house on fire. It's like I a mean, simile. I mean, oh. like or as, or... Oh. Uh, yeah, right. Um, well, I mean, we're, uh, let's let's get to it. We'll talk about it when we get to it in okay, the film, right? Okay. Yeah, you know. but you you were saying on this watch. Oh uh, yeah, on this watch, um, I feel like the problem with this film is that it doesn't stand up to the simple question, "What is it about?" And that's the main problem that people have when they come through this film is that they can't verbalize their experience watching the film. They know it's long. They know it's a little confusing. Mm -hmm. But, like, that is the – that's the whole point of the film. You know, it's this whole thing where I don't know what this film is about, you know. And, like, the film is about – the experience of it in that it's like it's it's kind of like a stand-in for life it's confusing yes you know it's it's like you know very um cut up and it's about examining life and what we choose to remember and like how we remember it and whether or not that's true and about it's it's i don't know it's a wonderful film well there's a great special feature on the blu-ray that says i think it's called like who who is caden cotard and it's just like uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman like interview for uh, 10 to 15 minutes this is really good because it's just him talking about the role and the few things that I just wrote down from it is uh, again from like his perspective he says uh, it's about somebody that wants to uh, create something like great and that like outlives him and so continuing just like his you know like making him immortal in a way and then just the desire to be appreciated and loved mm. 
And so, I mean, just, I mean, he, and again, he spoke for 10 to 15 minutes, but those were the two things that just, right. as far as like, again, like to help you, you, know, you got your dream logic, but in reality, and then the things I just said, I think that just, again, just makes you, almost puts you at ease. Right. So you can just like watch this film. But again, it's a film that you, you have to, you see it once and then like, you just gotta like let it sit, and then like you watch right. it again. Well, something. it's 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 funny because like like we said, this started as a Sony Pictures uh, horror project <laughs> with Spike Jones and uh, Charlie Kaufman, and so it's like Charlie Kaufman, like what scares Charlie Kaufman? Oh, being this really obtuse artist that no one understands, and who <laughs> creates this like vast yeah. sweeping oh, opus yeah. that goes over people's head and just kind of pisses them off. Mm-hmm. And here we are yeah. with Synecdoche, New York. Um, <laughs> so you know, I guess yeah. this, I guess then it's it is that's good where that I, you yeah. directed it. That's where I was like thinking about it because I was thinking about your words from whenever you saw it mm-hmm. um, last night when I was watching this, and I was like, "Well, I agree. Maybe more. It would be a better film for like I don't want to say the mass audience, technical pacing, part. yes, like that kind of stuff. But it's just this is it's better art because Charlie Kaufman directed. Yeah, it's the it's the personal right. It's the film. It's it's the fil- it's like the it's most Charlie Kaufman yeah. film, and like as someone who like s- you know sacrifices all sorts of things at the altar of Charlie Kaufman, it's you know <laughs> I I wouldn't want it any other way. Which is interesting since there's uh, he wrote a film that there, he he is the lead character along with the fake brother Donald Kaufman. Oh, it's so good. It's so <laughs> fucking good. How yeah, yeah, they do that is, trick photography? Which is, <laughs> which is no no no. There's two Nick Cages. There's a good one and a bad one. That's how they do it. Uh, that's uh, that's adaptation. Yeah. Which is featured on our network, uh, yes. the Mothership on the Cage Club the Cage podcast Club. network. It's one of my favorite films. Of all it's time. great. Yeah, it's good. Um, so, just a little background too. I don't know if you read this, Kyle, but Hoffman was super excited to do this film. Mm-hmm. As we've seen, he was in a string of like big movies. <sighs> Not necessarily blockbusters, but movies where he no, was but, getting like yeah. you know, recognition. Uh, Charlie Kaufman actually met him at. Uh, his play Jacko's Boating mm. which will be a film we'll, well, yeah, we'll talk about yeah. later and they started talking about this and he, again he was just like super excited to do it I don't know did that come off at all in the interview you saw? Oh yeah I mean you know no one's gonna be like oh what a fucking asshole to work with or something like that but like <laughs> no, he no, was no, o- but like he was like over uh, like you know appreciative not in a bad way, but just like as far as like the kind words he had to say about yeah. working with. This uh, is a Charlie film he Kaufman. really wanted well, to do. Yeah, I mean, this is around the time that people, and it turned out to be an unfounded rumor, but people were rumored. That, I mean, people were spreading rumors that he'd play the penguin in the next oh, Batman yeah. film, and apparently these rumors really like irked him because he had no desire to ever play the penguin in a Batman film. Yeah, which would, I mean, I would have loved to see that. So I'm not. Yeah, I mean, it was an awesome <laughs> bad guy Mission Impossible 3, so I would have accepted him. Right. I want like I wonder about him being in Mission Impossible 3 and how that like cuz that was like you know, that's like how the mass of America really like got to know Phil too cuz he's in, yeah, he he's won in the smaller Academy. roles yeah. Yeah. in like in in big like mm-hmm. twister like big movies but you know he had never been like a real featured role yes. in a, a a movie that that many people saw yeah it helped that he won the academy award the year before but then he's in like w- what was like a huge blockbuster at the time a reboot of a franchise oh i guarantee that 10 times the amount of people oh, saw yeah. him in freaking mission impossible 3 than capote oh yeah, yeah. well know? i'm just even saying like, Which is even, like even people that like don't watch a lot of the films watch the Academy Awards. Sure, sure. You know, as far as like, yeah, but it's almost like I as feel, far as name recognition. I feel like the most people saw Capote more like in the months after the Academy Awards than before it. Right. Yes. And then that again, I'm just saying literally from the Academy Impossible. Awards. Yeah. yeah. Um, Can I give you guys a hot take? 
Yes, hot take. Not crazy about Capote. I know you mentioned this at, at not the, at the same crazy party. about it. Not crazy right. about it. I mean, like, I'm listen. I'm glad Philip Seymour Hoffman won the Academy Award, if for no other reason than it makes me feel personally vindicated because I he's my favorite actor. Um, and like, I'm like, good. Other people see what I see, you know. Um, but it's like, but it's a very like this film is the reason that I love Philip Seymour Hoffman. And it's right there in like the opening shot, the opening shot of the film. He opens his eyes. He looks in the mirror. He sees himself and he's just like, Ugh. and he sits up and he looks at himself in the mirror and he's like slumped over and he's just like so unpleased with what he sees. And he looks away and he looks back at the mirror and he gets his glasses to look more clearly at like this image of himself that is clearly bothering yeah, just, him. Yeah. You know, like nobody, nobody can like suffer like Philip Seymour Hoffman can, which is why this role is like peak peak Philip Seymour Hoffman for Is me. it his best role in your opinion? Yeah, it has to be. It has to be. I mean, here's the thing. I mean, like, it's like if, like, what's what's Anthony Hopkins' best role? I mean, most would say Hannibal Lecter. But is that because he is the best in it, or is that because it's only 12 minutes? Yeah. And so, because it's so condensed, and it's like, there's no room for it to have little moments where, you're, where you can pick it apart. Yeah. And so, this film is like, it's so much of Philip Seymour Hoffman. Oh my god, yeah. You know, that I'm sure that if we went through scene by scene, we'd be like, ah, oh, I don't know about that choice. I'm not sure about that inflection. Yeah, like, that, as... that didn't really land. The mm-hmm. way he did that felt, like, a little weird. Um, but for me, like, I think... I, th- I think it's perfection. I think this. I think he is so good in this film, and just so unabashedly human and imperfect, and weird and uncomfortable, you know. And it's just like, I don't know. As somebody, this 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 film found me at a time where I was a very young artist and like super impressionable, and like I just seen him do Julius Caesar. Mm-hmm. Um, no, pardon me. Uh, Othello. I just seen him do Othello at NYU, and oh, which I was, you guys and it got like yeah. panned. It got panned, yeah. and I saw it. and I was like, "What are you talking about? He's brilliant. <laughs> he was so good, you know." Because he basically he did his Philip Seymour Hoffman thing, where he was like, well, he kind of mumbled and like was just like, "Well, I, you know, I don't know. Maybe your wife's cheating on you. I'm not sure. You know, maybe, maybe you want to look. I, you know." Uh, and it was just like so simple and true and then like and then I saw this movie which was just like this great sprawling epic of like one of my heroes mm-hmm. being like just like suffering and being yeah, normal like and so, being yeah I mean, he, he's he's definitely he's plays so many vulnerable characters yeah like, I mean that's throughout his, his career that is like one of his biggest things or you know if you're gonna say he's typecast but it's not he's not typecast about there um but no because there's characters that shouldn't be that vulnerable that no yeah, and, well, vulnerable. and again like we Which just good. We, uh, like talking on twister and just saying like what a bland role that would have been played you know it's the background guy and had a few right. lines by some other person that played him but he brings right there's like the, the whole... there's like the two there's like the two kinds of roles for philip Seymour hoffman there's like the starring role like the featured role where he plays this very vulnerable very suffering very like like thoroughly dis uh, just like unsatisfied human 
or he's this like side character where he's like this un this crazy personality who's like so confident in his own weird self <laughs> and like it's just like you know oh just such a joy and it's just like that like dichotomy you know that space in between those those two kind of polar opposites uh, which is what makes him such a fascinating actor Kyle, are you thinking about Sandy Lyle when he said that? Absolutely. Rain <laughs> dance. Like, <laughs> so good. <laughs> well, again, like just I revisited the Twister episode, and I and then just hearing you say again, like you said on that, that that was your favorite role of uh, his. And it uh, is, and it is. That's like my favorite role of his yeah. because, like. Because again, it's like, like what, like what is that fucking role? But I just like, want to, I, I just want to say thank you. And we're, I mean, a, a lot of people like him in it, but like that movie is just like, pan, like no, but, especially but, after that episode, like not that <laughs> that episode didn't do well. No, no, what? it did decently. People commented as far as no, like, it, it didn't do as well as it should have in your heart. You know, it was guys. It was like a three-hour discussion of four drunken guys around the table. Oh, twi- no, Twister oh, did well. Oh, yeah, Twi- yeah. Polly. I'm Along saying, came what? Yeah, it, it, we Stop. got such polarized reactions. We're going back to back. I don't need to see <laughs> it again. Do, we'll, we can do a Long Came Polly revision. And Jennifer Anderson with a ferret. Let's go. I got it. I got it. <laughs> yeah, that like people were not too thrilled about our enjoyment of that film, including yeah. our guests on the show. Did someone just? Was that the episode that someone wrote? Like, why did you even talk about this movie? Or something? it might have. Thin, yeah, <laughs> right. I mean, like, listen, like, Along Came Polly is not a good movie. No, no. But Philip Seymour Hoffman is incandescently funny in it. Oh. He is just like so and so, like, because he's like, it's so preposterous. He's like this actor who's over the hill. Okay, we're not talking about this movie, <laughs> no, but it's like, but because no, yeah, he's like over the hill, and it's like, and he's like so self-obsessed, and it's so sad, and like. The movie is about Sandy. Like, fuck Ben Stiller. Like, whatever. Like, all of that bullshit is just there to prop up the character of Sandy. Mm. And, like, how impossibly weird and funny and hurt he is Ima- as a person. Um, imagine, like, an HBO, like, miniseries or, like, one of those. I love that they just do, like, two seasons of shows now, like, that kind of style. Mm, about like, Sandy Lyle. Just, I, like, oh my like God. an extras type. Th- uh, anyway. Amazing. Yeah. No, no, no. I mean, we even discussed that on that episode. Yeah, we wanted to. The Sandy Lyle movie. Uh, tonight, ladies and gentlemen, uh, in this production of Jesus Christ Superstar, I will be playing the roles of Judas Iscariot and <laughs> Jesus. Like, oh, it's just so oh beautiful. Oh, my God. <laughs> but Sandy, I mean, I'm, I'm playing Judas. Judas. No, no, no. no, no, no he's, I'm Judas. Yeah. he's Judas. You are Jesus. Jesus. You are Judas. Why don't you... Won't sue him in a moment. All right. But, <laughs> no, but in this, it's, it's kind of interesting, though, because we said, like, you know, he's an actor, so yes. I guess he relates to being an actor in that performance. And a director. And but, a director. But in, the, in this yeah. performance, I mean, in this here, he is a play director. He's, everyone who we've met who's known him says theater was his first love. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And that, yeah, and that's why I'm also excited to ha- have you on with, because that just, on top of it, it's a film that spoke to you as a young actor, just as, like, any film could, any role right. could, but on top of it, it's about this guy that is, you know, works well, in theater. Yeah, I mean, like, this movie, you know, is about, like, kind of the doomed nature of, like, the human the human condition. That, like, we're all, like, we're all dying, and, like, we're trying to do something while we're here, and, like, is there a point to that? Mm-hmm. 
you know, and like how how much are we willing to sacrifice of our own personal happiness to like accomplish something? And like as a theater maker, it's like we make we make, you know, we do this show or we make this thing and it can be good or bad. But like at the end of the day, it's like, you know, like maybe 300 people see it, you know, and in the Internet age, it's like, is it really worth it to do theater that way if, if the objective is to impact as many people's lives um, as possible. And like, you know, I, I certainly think it is just because theater can do things and reach people in ways um, that like, you know, just sitting in front of a screen all day can't do. Yeah. Um, like a podcast can't do. Right. Right. Well, no, 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 no. But I mean, but I mean, but it's like, but I mean, like, you know, with a podcast or like, or like a movie, you can kind of consume it at your own pace. Exactly. And like, it can't inconvenience you. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because you can always pause the podcast. You could pause the movie or whatever, but a theater piece, you are in it, you know, and you can't leave until it's over. Um, even if you're trapped in a warehouse in, in mid Manhattan. Um, (laughs) You know, well, just any performing arts. It's just like to go. I don't know. For some reason, it's really popped up in my head right now. It's another Philip Seymour Hoffman movie. Not his character though. It's Jason Lee's character in Almost Famous. He's when he's like being interviewed, and he's like, "And what I love is just like I found that I find that one person in the audience that's not getting off, and I get them off." <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> like uh, it's. I mean, that's performance art. You know, right? Like, well, I mean, like if you could do that, more power to you, Jason Lee. But like, <laughs> no. But it's like for me, it's always like you find this one person who is like because you know i've done this uh i'm in this show junk shakespeare i've done it like like god almost a thousand times wow and um well i love it i love the show and it changes every night which is like you know why i haven't gone actually insane yet um but like the thing about it is like there's always somebody there who is just like so ready for this this experience and like because like drunk shakespeare it's like a very niche thing and it's like a comedy about shakespeare and so someone is always there from somewhere far away and they're just there ready to nerd the fuck out about this show and enjoy it on a level that they have never enjoyed any piece of art they've ever they've ever experienced because it's like so niche Mm -hmm. it's so niche um, and like finding that one person every night and just letting their joy like just carry you through a show is like is what makes theater um, it's like the shared experience between the the performer and the consumer of the art that like is like what makes it like so interesting is that kind of symbiotic relationship um, but like as a theater director I imagine it's like very different. Yeah. I love the way the actors are portrayed in this film. It's as an actor, it's like so wonderful and self-flagellating how terrible they are as people and characters. <laughs> oh my god, I love the one moment when the guy's just like when he tells him about walking. He can't fucking walk. He can't fucking walk. Oh my god, it's like nobody walks that way, and it ruins him. Yeah. Like he's gonna think about that for the next thirty years. Like it's so good. Yeah. Oh, it's good. People don't walk like that. Like yourself. So let's talk about the. Oh, can we well, start? The well, speaking action? of, we, oh, before man. we before we start, we do have to talk about who's in this film. Oh um, yeah. Oh yeah 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 it, it, it is a great cast. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, the one thing I was going to mention. That's why I was bringing it there. The one thing I was going to mention. Um, when he spoke with Charlie Kaufman, he felt like Charlie Kaufman, Kaufman had a way with women, um, mm-hmm. in terms of. Uh, oh yeah, yeah. He said characters. that in the interview too. Yeah, and so he got. If you notice, Kyle, from like us doing this, there are a lot of people here who are collaborators of Hoffman previously. Yes, mm. and that was a lot of Philip Seymour Hoffman's doing. He uh, had a lot of a. Uh, he kind of suggested women he would like to work with to uh, Charlie Kaufman. Okay. I mean, look, he'd worked with uh, Catherine Keener 
Yes. In Capote. And that, the re- a really interesting t- thing to me that both of them commented on was that since he had such a close relationship with her that it was, and they did film almost like in, uh, you know, like in, in order, you know, and so point being Catherine Keener was there for like the first three weeks and then she was gone, which is kind of perfect for him right. because then that like she's gone for him in the film yeah and I read like she like abruptly left too on purpose like I love that <laughs> she's brilliant she's one of the most fascinating actors out there oh definitely yeah I mean we yeah we said it before that. yeah we love her. uh who else? Okay, so we've got, yeah, well, okay, I'm just going to, whole list. Obviously, Philip Seymour Hoffman, Samantha Morton, Michelle Williams, Catherine Keener, Tom Noonan, Emily Watson. Emily Watson, of course, is in Punch Drunk Love. Yes. Mm. Um, with him. Hope, Hope Davis. Da- Hope yeah. Davis. Hope Davis from, uh, what's it called? Next uh, Up Wonderland with him. Oh, I thought you were going to say Captain America Civil War. No, I mean with him, oh, okay. collaborators. Yeah. Um, uh, Jennifer Jason Lee. Mm. Uh Paul, Not Jason Lee, who we just talked about. Yeah, uh, Paul Sparks, Emily Watson, and one of your favorites of all time, Diane Weist. Yeah, Diane Weist. Oh, yeah. I yeah, love yeah. me some Diane Weist. You do. But someone else in this film, the lady from Ace Ventura. Oh, yeah. I always forget her name. Uh, uh, Alice Drummond. Alice Drummond. I wrote Drummond. that and the one other person, and before, it's, because I know she, it's going to take us on the two previous films of his. Yes. And she'll be in next week's episode, Dan. Oh. Yeah, like, what a. What a, what a like what a list of heavy hitter actresses and not just actresses but like a lot of them are stage actresses too mm-hmm. like Diane Weist and this is like when Michelle Williams was like really trying to like prove herself like listen I, I'm not gonna say that Michelle Williams needs to prove herself or anything like that but this is like when she was like going back to the stage and doing a lot of that kind of work well, and, this, yeah, this is, no of course this is, after, this is after Brokeback Mountain which is a movie that she was right. like you know critically but she's still like there are still people who were like oh that's the girl from Dawson's Creek you know right and yeah this is like when she was like trying to she was like part of this generation that was like kind of coming up and trying to establish herself in that sort of hierarchy um, I'm, you know what? Maybe that's too meta. Like, I'm sure she doesn't think about that. I hope she doesn't think about that. I think she's a wonderful actress. Um, no, but I mean, I, I would agree. I think it's conscious, you know, and it's yeah, good. Yeah, it's yeah, good. Yeah. I mean, she's, I love her. Oh, she's fantastic. One other person I want to say, because I know it's going to take us on, like, possibly take us on, on a tangent. doesn't have to. Um, <laughs> but I, I, I just want to bring it up her. because I have a little bit of a grudge with you on this wit. Mm-hmm. Um Christopher Evan Welch is in this movie. Does that name ring a bell? No. Uh, that is, well, he was on uh, Silicon Valley the first season, then he passed away. Oh, that guy, yeah. yeah. That guy. Oh, um, love him. I love him on Silicon Valley. And he is the pastor in this movie, mm-hmm. and he is in a future Philip Seymour Hoffman movie, one of my favorites of all time, which I remember you said you, you weren't a fan of, The Master. And he gets the, Philip Seymour Hoffman gets the call him, you pig fuck! <laughs> <laughs> okay, so, so I've only seen The Master once. I've only seen The Master again, once. Again, again, again. I'm sure I do. I'm sure watch. I do. But it's like... <laughs> we'll get to it. Uh, the, the thing about... Yeah, the thing about The Master is, like, I am uncomfortable... I am uncomfortable with the feelings about, like, male dominance, especially over groups of women. Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought I'm, you were going to say you're a Scientologist. So you're... No, 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 no. I, it <laughs> makes me... It makes... Right, no, no. But, like, things like Scientology and things like very kind of um, dogmatic religion makes me really uncomfortable and, like, angry and upset in a way that I can't really um, Just articulate. Yeah, sure. um, and, uh, and so, like, 
And so watching Philip Seymour Hoffman play a man like that mm-hmm. was like it was like upsetting to me. Mm-hmm. Um, not like like you know like oh how how could he betray me or anything like that, but it was like really unpleasant for me to <laughs> yeah, watch. Yeah, I can understand that. You know, because he's yeah. like one of my heroes, sure, literally yeah. playing like one of like my greatest gripes and fears about the world. Yeah. Next time, Fair. just just like thinking it from this way because I've had this like when people are like who's the master in the movie like clearly you know he's referred to as master but then someone pointed out to me a while ago that Amy Adams might be the master just because she has like it can you can see that she does have like power over him I haven't, just for, I haven't seen it since it came out so okay. when we do that yes I'm episode, sorry I'm going, yeah no, I just I, wanted to say this because I, I was I just knew it was another that feature films are often collaborator yeah. and then I had just you know a little bit yeah. so let's let's dive <laughs> right into this let's <laughs> right in a half hour after we started <laughs> No, no, we're not gonna. We cannot go scene by scene. No, yeah, this is not right. Yeah, it would be insane because, like, also, what are the scenes here? Like, how would you divide? Like like, later on, especially something that's fascinating about this film um, is like kind of like the passage of time and the way it goes. Like one of my favorite things is like very early in the movie, he, you know, he has this accident in the bathroom where he gets like hit in the head by a like a like a faucet or something. Uh, Like a piece of a sink flies off. Um, Which is also like it's it's like. It's like one of the most telling moments for his character because he's bleeding and he is so obsessed with like, am I okay? Am I all right? I'm bleeding. That he's like, I need help. I'm suffering. I'm suffering. Someone help me. Uh, and like, meanwhile, the whole room is filling up with water. Yeah. Like Philip Seymour Hoffman, like, pardon me, Caden, like <laughs> fucking do something, man. Like, yeah. and like, you know, and, and Catherine Kerner, uh, Keener runs in and like has to fix everything yeah. because he's like covered in blood and it's just like so involved with his own suffering. Well, just even when he goes to the hospital, he's like, I really don't want this to be a scar. Like, right. <laughs> right. It's just like, he's so self-involved mm-hmm. in like. In a, in a way that only an artist can be, you know, because like being like especially theater art um, is like it's so hard uh, to not be selfish and self obsessed, and because like your art is yourself as like as an actor, it's like you know I can't you know I can't make a painting like they do in the film. I can't make a painting and be like that's the art object, like that's the art object. I'm the artist, like it or don't, but whatever. Like that's what it is. Because <laughs> yeah. as an actor, it's like if you don't like my performance it's like is it about me as a person it's like you can't it's so hard to like remove yourself from the art object when you are the thing that is the art object Mm -hmm. like you know it's hard um but he's like so wonderfully self-obsessed and it like in the beginning it's like kind of petty you know and like you know it's just like it's like all these like little things where he's like kind of a shitty husband and like kind of a shitty father um, well, less a shitty father than like a shitty husband, but like, but then through the film, it becomes about like this like introspection, this like unbelievably deep dive that is like normal people we never do because at a certain point, like, because we're all trying to like understand our own life and the way we experience things, and like, and we're always thinking about these experiences that happen to us, but like we only ever go so far with this examination because at a certain point we kind of throw our hands up in the air and say, oh, okay, well, that's as much as I could possibly know. This is as much information as I could possibly gather. So that's it. But what this film is about is like, okay, 
you have unlimited resources. How would you try yeah. to understand your own life? And you know, and he takes Philip Seymour Hoffman, who is who is a theater guy, a theater director, um, did wonderful work with his uh, theater company Labyrinth, um, uh, which should be a podcast in and of itself. Um, if you guys can like find some recordings of some of their work. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like, we've right? About, yeah. But uh, we've admitted that we're not as well as well versed in the theater world as we it'd are. Be, it'd be really hard because it'd be really hard for, for people to like go and find those resources and like <laughs> yeah. kind of kind of share the experience. Yeah, of what you the listen to this, and do. whether you've seen it before, you could go. But see it's something it. we feel like a little bad about not being able to go into. Right, um, right. Well, we, I mean, we want to get someone who like maybe was in the company or something. Again, the dilemma of a theater piece. Because <laughs> <laughs> how he sees it, right? But it's so, all so, so you give Philip Seymour Hoffman unlimited resources how do you examine your own life he goes well i'm going to build a scale model of my own life yeah and then watch it and curate it and it's like because we have all these memories but we don't remember our whole life we have these memories because there are these kind of like signposts in our past that we go these these experiences these things that happen to me are the reason that i am the way i am you know, and it's like, and that's not true. And that's not even enough for him. And he's so critical that then there's a world inside of the world, inside of the world. Right. Well, because, <laughs> because so much of his life becomes about examining his yeah. own life. I love the part. It's towards the end where he's on the street. And, and there's the map. Keep, and yeah, the you map, keep flipping and it up. And it's little, like, and it's like, oh God. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like, it literally just made like, just like my stomach, like a knot I, but I in imagine... my stomach. Which is also, I think this is a film. We've had a few uh, again, because he plays vulnerable, very like honest characters that I think, as far as audience or critics, because they're people too, uh, but like uh, that, it's a film that makes you uncomfortable. So that also maybe dissuades you a bit from liking it because it just puts your mind and makes you think about things that you're not, you know, you don't want to think about day to day. No, exactly. I mean, like it's a movie about the uncomfortable, like the uncomfortable realities of life, like. Okay, I, I I read this in like maybe like the AV Club like kind of review of this movie, but it's like so they're like think about this movie as like an examination of life, and then think about like a movie like fucking Amelie. Like I get why people like Amelie. Uh-huh. You know, it's like it's it's light and it's French and it's like, <laughs> and it's lovely. So it's, like, so it's a well, nice no, but, croissant. Right, it's right. It's but it's like but it's like this idea that like life oh life will kind of all work out and it's all kind of serendipitous and lovely and sure, like yeah. you and fate will take care of it. Mm-hmm. And then there's this which is like um, hold on a second. <laughs> yeah. That's so true. That's not what life is, and that's not how life works. Mm-hmm. And like, and it's like that magnificent speech uh, that the pastor gives, where it's like, you know, your life is like a million threads, and you pull on one, and it could ruin your life. And you might not even know for 20 years that you've ruined your life. You know, and like, and it's just, <sighs> and it's so true. It's so, yeah. And like, and like so sobering. much of this film is like, of like, it's about like the human body breaking down. Oh yeah, well it's, um, yeah, it's just completely just like. It's at the doctor constantly, yeah. constantly well, in this. It's just yeah. the little and things like, that like, he hears from like the cartoon that he puts on for his daughter is about him. Right. Like every every time he turns on a radio, it's something he's thinking about or reflecting him. Well, but it, but is it, but isn't that life? Everything we receive, every stimulus we receive, yes. we're like, how does this affect me? And we might do it consciously or subconsciously, but like ultimately, the experience is like, if like nobody thinks of 
like a book or something as it relates to other people, really. We're all like, oh, no, like, how does this reflect the way I view life? And like, you know, we judge a piece of art based on like, does it reflect the things that I believe to be true about the world? You know, um, it's just such a fascinating film. Absolutely. And like, like, like we were discussing this opening thing, I guess like the first part of this film is just before uh, his wife leaves him. Just, I mean, yeah. Lot, a lot of interesting stuff here. Like, I thought it was slow, but then, like, I kind of realized it's, it's a little bit necessary to the artistic view of the rest of the piece. Well, it really is, because then in the end, it's just, like, what's tragic is, like, his, like, the two biggest tragedies are, like, his daughter passing and the fact that he ends up being the, you know, clean cleaning lady of his fictional ex-wife's apartment. Sure. I mean, like, I, like, I don't <laughs> know if that's a tragedy, you know, I don't know well, if that that's a tragedy. Like, certainly, like, the way his, his relationships deteriorate. Yeah. I mean, like, I don't know. I, like, he has a second daughter, Ariel, who, like, gets, like, 45 seconds of screen time. Yeah. I think that's a tragedy. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, yeah, but yeah, it's yeah. like, you know, but, like, uh, we, we could talk about the cleaning lady. You want to talk about no, the no, cleaning no, no, lady no, we'll, we'll, we'll now, later? Yeah. yeah. So, but, like, the thing about it, it's like, so, in the beginning, the movie is kind of a little bit more based in reality. Yeah. And it's like the scale of it is so funny because it's like he is a regional theater director in Schenectady, New York yes. who's directing like as as a, like a theater person I found the idea of this show deeply funny mm-hmm. where it's 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 a version of death of a salesman but like the concept of the show is that oh I'm not going to cast old people as like Willie Loman uh, I'm I'm, I'm going to cast really young actors and that's like you know concept capital C theater and it's so <laughs> dumb and reductive which is and, what which some is, people had a problem with his uh r- him playing Willie Loman later on is that they thought that he was great, but he was still like a little too young to play the character. Oh, whatever. <laughs> like, whatever. Like, exactly. Like, no, but it's like, it's like any actor should play any part when they want. It's not about that. It's about can they do it? But it's like, it shouldn't, a theater piece should never be about that. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, uh, I, I, I get, I get a little annoyed when like concept capital C becomes what's the like the billing of a piece of theater as opposed to like oh no this is just a really good play and I want to talk you know we should talk about these ideas so he's this director and there's all these like funny little moments of like him directing and like Michelle Williams wants feedback and like <laughs> and like all of those little like minute interactions are like so funny and true and weird there's a great a lot of great little we always said like the actor about the walking a lot of great little industry from theater to filmmaking. Yeah, like, my favorite part of that opening thing is his, like, direction of the death of, of Salesman and all that. Uh, again, the... Another... <laughs> oh, I was trying something different uh, different this time. I crashed the car ambivalently. Yeah, yeah, I saw that. That was great. Do it. Do that. <laughs> it's so good. It's so good. Whoever... Um, this guy plays David. Uh, Robert... I can't pronounce his last name. Uh, it's like Say or C or something like that. Yeah, oh, S-E. Like, A-Y. Like the, like, yeah, like um, C with a Y. Like, whoever oh. that guy is, is... <laughs> you're incredible, man. You're awesome. <laughs> Never... Like, this role was so profoundly funny and, like, so profoundly true about actors, mm-hmm. which is, like, they just they just want... 
They just like all they want are like father figures in their life to like tell them what yeah, to do just, and how little, to do it, little, and that they're doing well. Yeah, constant encouragement, <laughs> constant encouragement. Um, yeah, validate me, validate me, validate me every moment. Um, clap, 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 please. Um, yeah, uh, and it's just like. And he's also going to all these doctors. The the scene with the ophthalmologist, which is like the longest of the the doctor scenes yeah. in the movie, is like so great because it's like it's like it's this really uncomfortable interaction with these doctors who are these strangers in our lives mm-hmm. who like who do like tell us what to do because we're like, all right, it's my body, you know better than me. Sure. And he goes, I'm gonna I'm gonna recommend you to a neurologist. Uh, a, 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 a neurologist that's that's what i said <laughs> you know and it's like well because oh he says like uh because the, the eyes are a part of the brain after yeah. all and he goes that's not right that can't be true <laughs> and he goes why would i lie you know and like doctors because like his doctor the 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 like you know the the word of a doctor sort of impeachable you know and so yeah. like he so he kind of gets like pushed around by these doctors because like he's so afraid of like not heeding their advice and like ultimately paying a price for it that like even though it like he doesn't agree with what they're trying to tell him about his own body like he's just like going into these things and all of those interactions are like deeply deeply funny to me oh definitely yeah it, it, it's it's uh oh i just saw a hand come up. no i'm trying to get my dog to like it's okay. yeah, come yeah, up here yeah. <laughs> sorry podcast listeners there's a small animal in the room and she is <laughs> Like in any stage production, the most interesting thing. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I, I was gonna. He's just again. He's like herded by these doctors, and it's just it's just so selfish of him. It kind of reminds me of like the most selfish part of like Woody Allen films. Like you know, Woody Allen's also playing himself. This this remind this does not remind me of a Woody Allen film. Mm-hmm. He reminded me of uh, like in certain Woody Allen films, like even like Hannah and her sisters, right? Like where he just keeps going to the doctor and because that's like who he is, you know? And it's just, it's just annoying sometimes. Yeah. But I love it here. Cause obviously he's playing a character. Right. I mean, like I think in like a Woody Allen movie, I feel like at some points he kind of plays into the whole like Woody Allen neuroses, like a little bit too strongly. But in this film, it's like, cause you see the boils and you see like these un these super weird and specific physical ailments yeah. that seem to be happening to Caden all the time oh, yeah. that you're like, yeah, I would go to the doctor, you know? And, and it's like, it's interesting because like in the movies, in the movies, no one ever uses the bathroom. No one ever gets sick. Yeah. Or like if they do, it's so that someone can bring them a fucking bowl of soup or whatever. <laughs> yeah. You know, movie, show up in the rain, and be like, "Hey, babe." Yeah. You know, but in, in this, this movie, they're talking about their poo and they're even searching the yes, like sample. pushing through it, oh, and it's just like it's it's really about like can we talk? It's like Charlie Coffin's like, "Hey, can we talk about the human animal for a yeah. moment and how inconvenient it is to have a body and like and like be uncomfortable with it and yeah. like something that about Philip Seymour Hoffman that I will I will always love as like a kind of out of shape guy." Is that like he he did his whole peak career, his whole career really really as like, forgive me Philip, but like as a kind of out of shape guy, yeah, you know, and as like I I say that as he, car- someone, he carried it well, yeah, he, you know, well no, but it's like because that's who he was, and like how many actors, I guess there's like John C. Riley, but Vince like but, but he's kind of like well know. yeah, but but those are also just like huge guys, they're yeah. really tall and big, but Philip Seymour Hoffman was like more average height, yeah. and so it's just like. And he was, like, representative of a group of people and, like, an experience of life, which being like, man, I really wish I was in shape. I really should be in shape. I know it's good for me. But, like, 
but I'm never really gonna be in shape. Um, that it's like, and that's like so much a part of life is like how we disappoint ourselves mm-hmm. and like how we fall short of the ideal version of ourselves that we dream in our own head, you know? Um, right. So he's, and then he wins the MacArthur grant, which is like, yeah, that's the big catalyst. Right. Yeah. So let's, let's, let's talk about that for a moment. Yeah. Uh, before we touch that, the one note I had before that oh, was please. something you were men- uh, mentioning, kind of like little, little things at the beginning of these ailments, like the psychosis, psychosis thing, because mm-hmm. it obviously mirrors the title. So I had a little chuckle. Yeah. When I, it was interesting. Like when I, the, the original lens that I kind of saw this movie through was uh, like someone that has some sort of mental, um, you know, uh, deterioration or dementia or something like that. My, my, like around the time this movie came out, uh, my grandmother who, who lived very nearby my family was suffering from Alzheimer's. Uh, and it was, it was at a point where she'd had it for like many, many years. And so it was, it had just kind of become a part of our life. Um, and like watching someone that has Alzheimer's and you kind of watch the way that their experience of the world as an outside observer, it's like very clear to see like kind of how it's changing and what's happening as like, it kind of, pulls in around us and it felt very similar to sort of Caden's experience where mm-hmm. he was like not really even in control of his own life experience and the way like the way that time dilates weirdly for him oh yeah felt very reminiscent of yeah. that um right so that was like the original way that like I experienced uh uh this film that was like the original take I had on it gotcha um so like you were saying, um, the grant, I do want to jump to there and what it becomes. Caden winning the MacArthur grant. The MacArthur grant uh, will never, never, ever, ever, ever be awarded to a regional theater director in <laughs> Schenectady, New York. Um, it's like, it's never going to happen. Um, which, which, so like, that's like the big, um, that's like the first real big moment of like fantasy for me because it's like you know i because it's like we all dream of having these incredible like unbelievable windfalls fall out of the sky mm-hmm. and just like boop right into our lap and it literally happens to this character where he literally gets everything he could ever want mm-hmm. which is like this macarthur grant which is not just an impossible amount of money uh but it's also like an impossible amount of prestige. And I mean, like in real life, a MacArthur grant is like, it's, it's a finite amount of money, but it, for the purposes of this film, it is not. <laughs> um, right. And like, I think it's interesting from like a writing perspective that like Charlie Kaufman kind of made the decision that it wasn't cause like, uh, the character Caden doesn't like really get in his own head about like being a genius or whatever. You know, he goes to, he goes to Hope Davis, his his shrink, and is like, well, you know, they called a a genius grant, and like, and then Hope Davis immediately beelines away from that subject, being like, oh, so like, you would really need to like examine yourself, and he's like, clearly trying to sell him another goddamn book. <laughs> I love that. What angle. what a wonderful what a wonderful character. Yeah. Yeah. The the like shrink that's all all she's trying to do is sell her book yeah. to you. Just even in her book, she's telling you that she's right next to you on the plane. Right, trying <laughs> like trying to sell you another yeah. book in the book. Um, it, God, it's it's so marvelous, um, and like, cause like again, you know. 
with people like therapists and psychologists and stuff like we put so much trust in them to have our best interests in mind and it's like nope they're they're selfish yeah, no, they're, yeah, they're, exactly. they're people they got their own. they've got agendas yep. like yeah. you know and like and you know some most of it's it's a job for them they're trying to they're trying to make money man mm-hmm. um and i i thought that was like oh it was it was really beautiful so so even before this though so a lot of what this film like this film isn't about one thing it's a it just has like a a ton of motifs and themes and stuff that it's kind of like swirling around together and one of them is like this idea of like impotence right the inability to perform or do the things that you know you have to do Mm -hmm. um for one reason or another and I think, like, you know, obviously there's a sexual impotence that Caden kind of has uh, throughout, which is obvious. But um, but there's also, like, kind of this artistic impotence because uh, his wife uh, is is a painter. And, mm-hmm. and as, as, like, a theater maker, I've always been really jealous of, like, people who are painters and sculptors, people who can, again, create this art object that exists outside of themselves, you know, and, like... It's and it's interesting throughout the film how like her success as a painter like makes him feel so lousy and oh, yeah. so yeah. And you on know. top of it, these paintings are these micro paintings. So that's well, right, right. Well, but, but 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 like what a perfect contrast to the yeah. type of art he's trying to make because you know um, ultimately the idea of art to like. God, Jesus. <laughs> an idea of art. An idea of art. Um, is, is to say a lot in a little. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? To, to, to yeah. kind of take a big idea and boil it down into an image or uh, a saying yeah. or whatever. You know, and, and, and like, you know, in, in a beautiful Charlie Kaufman way, he's like, okay, well, then great. She's a painter, but she does little paintings, yeah. you know. Well, and uh, and you they're know. the exact opposites of one another. She creates this tangible tiny thing and he creates this grandiose this this impossibly large thing that doesn't say anything (laughs) you know which is which is like that no one ever ends up seeing right i mean besides the crew members and the cast that are right 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 right, right, it's 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 never you know like so is it even an art object because it because there's never an audience there's never somebody to like see the art no it's yeah it's meanwhile he seems to like constantly over the course of years go back to this art exhibit of his wife's art that's always packed (laughs) (laughs) yeah I, i noticed that too so we should mention again some of the first act stuff is like the whole she ends up like we said moving to Berlin with a daughter and what's that character's name? Uh, Maria. Maria. Mm-hmm. Jennifer Jason Lee's. Yeah, Jennifer yeah, Maria. Lee. Yeah, Maria. That be, ends weird up becoming angle. Olive's lover. Yeah, like <laughs> way down the road. Yeah, and the other uh, I guess, and takes up a German accent. I love that. <laughs> the other big moment I would say that influences the rest of the film is what you were, the, the literal sexual impotence of the uh, how he can't have sex with them. With, like, I'm forgetting all these character names. Well, that's the whole thing. It's just like there's so much going on. I had a Hazel. long time of, Hazel, yes. yeah, of going back because there's like nine like, Hazels oh, too. So it's like, <laughs> yeah, well, there's yeah. like layers upon layers upon layers. <laughs> but I mean, like a lot of that is again when we think about our own life right when we think about the experiences that we've had we kind of have this memory in our head which is a version of events 
that we believe to be true, but probably never happened. Yeah. Like, you know, it didn't actually happen that way. They, you know, we remember the things that are important for the internal kind of story of our life to like keep us feeling like, no, 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 I have this sense of identity. I am tethered to the world. I am tethered to myself. I I understand myself, Mm -hmm. this idea of self-mastery. And so it's interesting because we have this character who's like, no, 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 no. I have no idea who I am or what I'm about or whatever. So let me like continue to like examine and examine and examine and examine. And as the examination becomes what his life is, then we need to examine the examination. Which is amazing. You know, (laughs) it's like the most Charlie Kaufman thing in the world. Like, it's so wonderful. It's so wonderful. Yeah, think think of John being John Malkovich, where like it's the premise is getting inside someone else's head, essentially, and controlling. This is like... So much more than that. Yeah. And see, John right. Malkovich is not getting inside John Malkovich's head. The other characters are. Yeah. Well, I mean, is... he does in the film, but like, you know, yes, that's okay, the whole yes. Thing. Uh, you know, but let's... right, right, right. But it's like, but, but in in being John Malkovich, yeah. It's it's like Charlie Kaufman took a shortcut because there's this like magical portal to going into someone else's mm-hmm. head. But how do you get into your own head and you don't have a magic portal? Like the only kind of magical thing in this world is this unbelievable warehouse and the unlimited resources that this guy has. Yeah. You know, and so like how would you do that? How would you really examine your life? Because he, he stages it and then he sees it and then he's like, no, that's not really what it is. And then even when people around him are like, no, man, like that's what happened. Like yeah. we were all there. Like this happened. And he's like, was I really like that? Or like, you know, <laughs> yeah. and like, and it's interesting. I it think is. this film is just, I mean, in, in, uh, I mean, in an obvious way, but like is the culmination of all the previous work. Because again, what we just, what you just said about John Malkovich, but then even adaptation, you have almost like, you know, you've got Donald and Charlie. So they're like the same person, but not the same person. But Char- I mean, Charlie really trying to figure out himself. And then you have Eternal Sunshine, a spotless mind about your memory and erasing mm. things. So it's just, and that's very, I mean, dream nightmare aspect of it too. So, I, you know, you just look at this film and you go, wow, this guy just, you know, like everything was leading up to this. The thing I love about this movie, like whether it's successful or not, is how ambitious it is. Yeah. Because it's a movie that's like trying to talk about life and trying to talk about all of life, all of the human experience and all of the problems with it, you know, and we don't want to think about these things. We don't want to think about our body decaying and we don't want to think about Mm -hmm. the fact that we're only on this planet for such like a brief thing and that our perspective is so skewed and that we will never really approach like an infallible truth Mm -hmm. in our entire life. You know, we may think we understand something, but really it's anyone's guess, you know, and like and how uncomfortable that should make us. But we all kind of kind of just like, you know, cover our eyes and ears and like just kind of keep going. Oh, I I agree with that. And the way that this film just like stares it in the face is just like just just so so good. I don't know, man. (laughs) Like there's something so right about that. I could tell you like this one. Yeah, I I really love this movie. (laughs) Um, Kyle, were there any uh, scenes or clips that you were thinking of? Well, Uh, yeah, I was just going to say there was no 
I mean, like, there's just so many good scenes. It's not like, like a real clip film. No, know, exactly. Like and and Polly. Well, what I was going to say is, uh, Wit, you love this movie so much. Is there a scene, you know, that would be good for our listeners to hear that you, you think is one, one of your favorites? That you- Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, the, the, the priest monologue. So it's like we're, we're deep into – we're deep into the simulation mm-hmm. at this point, and it's a recreation of – the funeral, I think of his mother. Um, he goes to yes. both the funerals of his parents, but it's both definitely his, his mother. Parents live, it's like his dad was in, in like incredible agony of a heart attack, he says. Like, oh, it, and, it's, and, like, and then it's the mother's so... bludgeoned to de- like uh, home invasion. Oh, yeah, home invasion. Um, God. And they're both, but like, and like, and they're both terrible. I, but not because they're absurd. Yeah. They're so absurd. It's like, yeah, your father, they say my father gave, like, the longest and most agonizing death speech that anyone ever heard. And, like, of course we don't get to see that, but it's, like, what a funny <laughs> idea of, like, this guy who's, like, dying, but he just, like, goes, goes on, on and on and on, yeah. and on and on. It's just, like, it's just, like, it's so epic and wonderful and, you know, and dreamlike, you know. Um, yeah, but the the speech the priest gives, which is just, like, so... Okay, so I'm like a big Henry Henry Miller guy, the writer, Henry Miller. And like the thing about if you've ever read a Henry Miller book, it's like super self-indulgent, which I'm not trying to say this film is. Um, but like Henry Miller is like very much about like, oh, it's just like this whole self-confidence thing where it's like, I'm a great writer. I believe in myself and a great writer. And so I just write whatever I want. And so like 95% of it is garbage. But then like this 5% is this unbelievably incandescent, uh, to use that word again, uh, kind of prose. Um, he has this quote, uh, which is like, it may be that we are doomed, that there's no hope for for us, any of us, but if that is so, then let us set up a last agonizing, blood-curdling howl, a screech of defiance, a war whoop, away with lamentation, away with elegies, away with biographies and histories and libraries and museums, let the dead eat the dead, let us living ones dance around the rim of a crater, a last expiring dance, but a dance. Um, right. And, in, and like, like, that's like my favorite quote from anything ever. Um, and then in some ways, this pre-speech feels a lot like that. Okay. Where it's like, listen, you know, um, I have the whole thing here, but like. Well, let's, let's play the yeah. clip and then. Yeah. Let's listen to, again, the, uh, the priest is played by Christopher, the late Christopher Evan Welch. Okay, everybody, let's run it. <laughs> Everything is more complicated than you think. You only see a tenth of what is true. There are a million little strings attached to every choice you make. You can destroy your life every time you choose. But maybe you won't know for 20 years. And you may never ever trace it to its source. And you only get one chance to play it out. Just try and figure out your own divorce. And they say there is no fate, but there is. It's what you create. And even though the world goes on for eons and eons, you are only here for a fraction of a fraction of a second. Most of your time is spent being dead or not yet born, but while alive, you wait in vain, wasting years for a phone call or a letter or a look from someone or something to make it all right, and it never comes. Or it seems to, but it doesn't really. So you spend your time in vague regret or vaguer hope that something good will come along, something to make you feel connected, something to make you feel whole, something to make you feel loved. And the truth is, 
feel so angry. And the truth is, I feel so fucking sad. And the truth is, I've felt so fucking hurt for so fucking long. And for just as long, I've been pretending I'm okay just to get along. Just for... I don't know why. Maybe because no one wants to hear about my misery. Because they have their own. Well, fuck everybody. Amen. Right, and the thing about that is like, so much of our life is internal. You know, it's this, we have, we have our life, which is like the daily actions, and the interactions we have with the people around us. But so much of it, of our life, is this kind of inner dialogue or this inner monologue, I guess, that we have that no one else gets to experience. And like, we're all like slowly, we're all slowly burning down. And we feel like no one could possibly understand that. But of course, everyone is like experiencing these like real dilemmas or these real crises, either like physical or spiritual or 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 what, what have you. And, you know, I love that there's just like this moment in this film that acknowledges like, you know what, man, like this is this whole living thing is fucking nuts. And, or, or, sorry guys, sorry to swear. Um, no, fine. You know, I just, I just love that line. Like, I feel so fucking sad and I've been so fucking hurt for so fucking long, <laughs> you know, and I've just been pretending to be okay, you know, and fuck everybody, you know, because like, and that's the thing, because we all have to like try to pull ourselves together for the sake of the people around us, you know, and that's the idea. But, but simultaneously, everyone is having the same sort of experience, but we don't talk about it. We don't talk about how hard life is, you know, because we want Amelie. That's what we want. <laughs> we want to have this, like, perfect serendipitous life where everything falls into place and, like, yeah. oh, isn't it lovely and let's eat chocolate, ha, 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 ride bicycles. But, like, that's not what life is. Life is, like, a million doctor's visits and, like, and not knowing it, what's wrong with you. And it's about, like, having these interactions with the people you love and care about that don't go right. And they, like, and they leave and then you're trying to parse together why that happened. And, like, there's no way to know it because it's not this, like, one thing that happened. It's these million tiny little things that didn't quite line up and it's not just about your experience of it it's about their experience of it and like it's so impossibly complicated like everything is so impossibly complicated and you know to try and distill it to try and like really boil it down into like this one thing or this one thing that you can really like tie a knot around um is is so so fruitless and so so futile you think that amen yeah. yeah, sorry, man. Sorry. <laughs> Do you think that part of the reason that some people don't like this movie is that it, I don't want to, it's not too complicated, like science wise, or maybe they just don't want to think about these kind of things? Oh, yeah. absolutely, yeah. man. Like, it's inconvenient. You know, it's That's just like, for, yeah. it's just inconvenient to be like, oh, right. Hey, you're dying. <laughs> you're dying. Have Have you thought about your death today? Well, that, and then that goes to maybe, maybe we'll even, uh, yeah, you know, we'll pl- play this little because it's a nice little thing since uh, of Philip Seymour Hoffman, him explaining wh- when they're about to start like working on the production, and he just like says about how you know we're dying, I'm dying. So oh, yeah, 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 I like we'll, that. We'll play that. I've been thinking a lot about dying lately. 
be fine, sweetie. Oh, I appreciate that, Claire. But you are, you poor thing. You know, regardless of how this particular thing works itself out, I will be dying. And so will you. And so will everyone here. <clears throat> and that, that's what I want to explore. We're all hurtling towards death. Yet here we are for the moment, alive. Each of us knowing we're, we're gonna die. Each of us secretly believing we won't. It's brilliant. It, it's everything. It's Karamatov. I'm singing this song. Yeah, I mean, that, you know, so that, that's early in the film because they're starting, they're in this warehouse. I love right. when they're looking for it, and they're like, she's like, yeah, right in the heart of the theater district. And there's, <laughs> and there's, there's something about, like, as a, as, as a person who, who, you know, who, who does, like, this, this, you know, I'm not trying to, like, set myself up as, like, the only expert about this sort of shit or whatever, but, you know, there's something about, like, where there's the director who's sitting in silence, yeah. like, really trying to pick his words, and then yeah. there's, like, 50 people who are just, like, <laughs> Please give me something. Give me something. Oh, you genius artist! And the, Mich- <laughs> and the Michelle uh, Williams just like, no, you're so brave. Like you've got it. Oh my god! <laughs> They're like the the actors are like so naive and like so oblivious to like <laughs> like you, you, the fact that he doesn't have like a direction to go in or like, and like, you know, as a young actor, I didn't like see this when I like first saw the movie. Cause I was just like, Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd love to be in a project like that. Like, <laughs> how cool. Right. But as like an older actor, I'm like, Oh my God, this guy's a, like, he doesn't know what the fuck he wants. Like, this is like, well, he, even like admi- he admits that at one point and she's right. Like, right? I was like, That's... you know, now as an actor, I'm like, Michelle, go back to the roundabout. Like, cause like in the film, she's I, on yeah, a, I love uh, a show like, at roundabout. Like, get out of this. Right. Like, she leaves her one. She did another one previous. Yeah. <laughs> right. She's practicing with like her fellow actors when he's moving his stuff out of their apartment. Right. Right. She, she's doing. She's like, oh, oh, yeah, have a nice day. It, is it like hay fever or like? <laughs> I forgot what it was. It's well, like, which is like such a not good play, but it's like it's but it, but again, it's like Amelie, where it's like this like really comfortable piece gotcha, of like boy yeah. meets girl, <laughs> like they're they're kind of coy about it for a bit, but then they fall in love, you, you know, and. Yeah. As opposed to like, and it's it's a great and that's like a great thing. Yeah, no, that, that's awesome. I I also like the idea with her character that she's actually become a decent actor in terms of like like she's working in other plays. Right. But right. she started in that freaking Death of a Salesman too up there that got the MacArthur Grant. Like yeah. she owes her career to him, but it, it's then ends up like owing her life, and I do like how she escapes it. The one, I mean, there's so many characters to talk about. But yeah, I, like, I, I could would be, not get I would to all be, them. Uh, yeah, exactly. But I'd be remiss if we didn't just mention. Again, I mean, we've talked about how it's a play inside of a play, but I love the relationship between uh, it's so Sammy and mm. uh, and Caden to right. Tom Noonan. God. Oh yes, just yes, like yes. Oh no, Definitely. brilliant. <laughs> in this role and I mean it, it comes down to so I mean well it's early on in the film all the way when he's up in uh, Synecdoche 
Right. Am I saying that right now? Whatever. Whatever. Well, it's it's town- Schenectady. The actual well, city yeah. is Schenectady. Yeah, Schenectady. Yes. Schenectady yeah. is the part of yes. speech in which a small thing yes. represents the whole. So up yes. in Schenectady, even when he steps outside at oh, one yeah, point. Oh, yeah, he's there. He's, he's there everywhere. There. And then yeah, we yeah, find yeah. out this guy's been following for the past, like, 20 years once – uh, Every time once I watch, Caden yeah. decides for himself to be in the play. Originally, the play <laughs> right. is about his th- or just life, right? Right. Everything outside. Of Everything himself. outside yeah. of himself. And but then... then he's just like, I'm, I'm writing myself in, and then pretty much like there. And the one little thing I uh, like, as far as trivia, that was funny. It was a uh, Toby. Um, forget the actor that played the other actor that played Capote. Oh God, I always forget his name. Toby Keith. No. <laughs> Some, to, uh, oh, the English actor. Jones. Yeah, uh, duh, easy. <laughs> uh, yeah, and the one I loved when there's actors lining up to, you know, sitting there and waiting to audition for the role of Caden uh, in the foreground for a second is Toby Jones. Really? And they put, and they oh, put, him, awesome. and they put him in there because, because they, they both, both like Capote. I didn't know. I didn't catch awesome. that. That's that. Oh, that's a great Easter that's egg. That's so cool. That's, that's, <laughs> that's, that's great. I mean, there's, and there's like a bunch of little Easter. Here's the thing. Like this movie is ultimately incomprehensible. <laughs> right, but it's, it's almost like in some way like vignettes. Right, like, but like, like, but here's the thing: the whole point of the movie is that life is ultimately incomprehensible. You know what? Actually, what no, really, I, after watching it, like resonated with me the fact of like the. I mean, it's at the moment that he's confusing, like how long it's been, and thinking it's mm. short. But the, you know, when you get older, time does just like, yeah. you know, you're just, just like, yeah, that stuff, happened man. all in that like time. It's like no, like you know, for when we're growing up, it was just much easier because we're living like it's just like we had grades and we had like we lived in life of like four year sequences, right, right. But then after that, it just like starts right, know. and like it, it's like the whole movie is his is like him remembering it, but in real time, yeah. You know what I mean? Because yeah. like, again, my daughter's dream... four years old. She's like, no, she's eleven. Yeah, again, this but you just remember her, reality. Right. which right. also, I mean, I, I love. I did not know that that they start. It started out as a horror because there definitely is like. While you say dreamlike, I mean, some people just say dreams, but then obviously, like, nightmare, too. Right. Of, like, that's, like, kind of my ultimate existential nightmare, which is, like, kind of becoming untethered from a reality that everyone ag- else agrees to, where it's like, everyone's like, no, 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 you're the one who doesn't understand the rules by which, like, we all exist, <laughs> and which is just like, oh, Jesus. <laughs> like, and I, like, I imagine an artist like Charlie Kaufman, because he dives so deep into the ideas of, like, you know, the human psyche and the way that we kind of experience ourselves experiencing our life. Um, like, like, and like, he goes so deep down the rabbit hole and this is the ultimate rabbit hole film. Oh yeah. You know what I mean? Cause it's just like layers upon layers upon layers upon yeah. layers. And it's just like, there's like, there's like, there's probably like 15 different places this movie could have like just stopped. But it just keeps or, going, or, and it, like, or, shifts. Or things it could have just focused on. Right, exactly. Like, if this whole movie was like, oh, there's this guy, he's a director in New York, his marriage falls apart, he's got a production of Death of a Salesman, he's kind of into the girl at the box office. Yeah. That's a movie. Mm-hmm. Forgive me, what, what, what is um, the device, like, again, so Eternal Sunshine of Spotless Mind, it's that there's a thing to, like, erase your mind. Like what is that called? What is that tool called when you're writing a screenplay? I, I believe a it's film? a gimmick. Uh, no. <laughs> uh, no, there is some sort of, I feel I like, 
you know, but point B, I love I love films that like have. The, so again, like adaptation, it's almost. I mean, it's the book inside the right, 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 right. Being John Malkovich, being able to go inside his head, and then Eternal Sunshine of Spotless Mind erasing this. Point being, this people like, are it could screaming be... at screaming the answer at their podcast. Yes. <laughs> and, and so point please being, like, in our comment section, yes, make us feel stupid. Uh, but in this, <laughs> in this, it could literally just be the fact that he has unlimited time and money with the MacArthur. Group. Right, and 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 and, the, and and the and, and the, the self-reflecting play that he's right, 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 so, and yeah. and the TARDIS sort of uh, warehouse that he owns, yeah, which is yeah, like is a, it has an infinite capacity yes. for space inside. <laughs> um, that could be that's a movie, right, right. And then, but it like it just keeps going, and then like he casts himself, and then like what does it say that when the actor that plays yourself kills themselves, like you know, yeah, that, you know, no, that's that, a whole thing. That's well, a like, scary also scene. Dead in, please, is that? Well, but What's it's ever, like right, right. Well, it's like that's like kind of the world falls around, the falls apart around him. Mm-hmm. But I feel like that's less of like Charlie Kaufman being like, oh, the world's going to shit, and more about like even if the world was falling down around this guy. All he wants to do is self-reflect and self-examine, because he's like, like you know, there's like, there's like wild gunfire and stuff, and like, like trucks and tanks, and he's just like, man, I really got to get to this apartment to clean my ex-wife's apartment, like, you know, to play a cleaning lady. Uh, that's that's all I'm focused on, and like, you know. And so we touched on it earlier. What do you think of the whole uh, Ellen thing? You know, the fact that he transforms into. Oh. He doesn't literally transform into her, but you know, he he becomes Ellen in real life. Yeah, well, I mean, he almost becomes. Well, he's. I think he ends up so, playing her. He's at this point, he's just like an old man. I mean, one in the end, he's supposed to be like eighty nine years old, right? Yeah. yeah. So I mean, at that point, he's just so tired, and he has no more ideas that Diane Weist ends up taking over as him and a directing. I would love Diane Weist to play me, but I know, I know it's yeah. never going to happen. But. Well, it's like it's really. <laughs> It's really interesting because it's like, first of all, I love that like Diane Weist comes in and they, the idea of making like an hour, 20 minutes into the movie. Right. Yeah. And, and like, <laughs> oh, and by the way, Diane Weist. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and like, and like they do like the, the weird theater director audition, which is like, just like, you know, him sitting behind a desk looking so morose and so unhappy <laughs> that you're there and you having to be like, no, like, you have to hire me. This is why I'm perfect and whatever. And at this point, does he have a new assistant because... Uh, because Hazel's because died? Hazel's passed? Um, well, okay, not initially. When she gets yeah. cast into the into the show, she isn't. But when she takes over the yeah. role of Yeah, because his assistant's like, what? Why? Well, right, and that, like, how amazing is that? Where it's like... Okay, so initially you have this guy to play yourself because you need to be able to, like, see the way that you influence <laughs> this world. Because you're not, like, as a director, like, every director every director wants to be, like, like have their influence, but, like, not be in it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, they want to be separate yeah, from the piece. Yeah, they exactly. want to be separate from the piece. But then, like, but then everyone around him is like, no, 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 you're not separate from the piece. You have to have a person that is you. So that you can, like, see that. Because otherwise, it's not true. It's not true. Uh, you know, again, if you, like, if you wanted to be like, what is this about? What is this whole movie about? It's a, you know, it's, in some ways, it's about the impossibility of trying to create a, like, big quotes, high capital T, truthful yeah. piece of art. 
which again Charlie Kaufman has like almost done once before but I mean not as a director but as a writer writing the character of Charlie Kaufman and being on set and we see the making of John Malkovich in the movie adaptation great and great. it's like, like it's, ma- it's magnificent it's, it's, yeah. I also, and I love that like the character Charlie Kaufman's like kind of kicked around on set oh, it's yeah, great so, it's yeah, great yeah, it's yeah, great yeah. no one gives a shit <laughs> it's so good it's so good right but like right so but then but so so he has this guy to come in and play himself, and then the guy who plays himself like starts talking about like no 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 you don't really feel that way yeah, this is how you that's, feel that's... Right, like where like he loses like his own sense of agency and self, and then uh-huh. worse than that so that actor like Tom Noonan. Well, dies. He also, but he also says things that, like, then Michelle Williams gets upset at, and he's like, I didn't say that. He like, said, yeah, he said it's that. Sammy. I'm going to, yeah, yeah Sam, sorry, I'm yeah. going to stop saying Tom Noonan. Uh, the character Sammy, yeah. um, like, right, like, he, he, he dies, and I think that's more about, like, you know, the disjoint between Sammy and the character he's playing. Yeah. You know, and then... So like there's this like gap and they they like hire another actor for a in moment. A scene where he almost killed himself. So that's right. Like... God, layers, 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 <laughs> layers. But then um, Diane Weist doesn't just fill Sammy's role. She pushes Caden out of directing mm-hmm. the thing. Where so like the so the creation of the art object has become the art object yeah. because now there is an actor playing the director, not like. Not in the piece, but like as the piece. It's so, it's so dumb and like to the end, though. right? To the so it's end. Like, so he like actually he comp- So he literally loses himself. Yeah. He loses the role of himself in his own life, which is like. I'm just again, I'm getting a nice. Right. <laughs> like like it's it's a really hard. Thing he's to digest. Lost himself, he's lost himself in his work, and then he loses himself. He literally the, loses yeah, the. He, yeah. he loses the opportunity to be himself. Where he can't even die. And in maybe, that and maybe that's me, why it took Charlie Kaufman. Then, like, I and I haven't seen. Have, has anyone seen Anomalisa? Is that was called? The. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Good. Bad, like, let's not get into it. But I mean. Charlie Kaufman. That's what it is. That's what it <laughs> is. Like, but, Charlie, yeah. Kaufman, but was, Charlie Kaufman. But that was three years ago. Let's say. Yeah. Like. Point. Yeah. It was like I feel kind of bad because it's it's very clear that well you know what listen I'm not gonna try and say, tell you why Charlie Kaufman does what yeah. Charlie Kaufman does. I'm sure he has you know he's got great self confidence and it just does whatever he wants. But it's like I I I hope that the response to this film didn't like put him off. For a while, because you it, could see that happening, though. Yeah. Right, like it would happen to me. It would, it would happen, happen to, to me, me, but like I hope Charlie Kaufman, like, is because his work is so important to me, and his work is like so unique. It's such a unique kind of view. You know, I do want to talk about this though, because this is something I even wrote in my notes. I remember when this film came out; it was like Charlie Kaufman was alone on talk shows, like promoting it himself a lot of the time. I know the actors were with him as well, mm. but this is like. Before he's like, oh, this this cool artsy writer kind of in the background. Now knowing his name, and now he's like helming something. Because so I I would not be again. We don't know. I would not be surprised if that whole process kind of kind of put him off for a yeah. while, yeah. which is like such a shame. And, aw- and yeah. awards aren't everything, but it didn't get the only like significant. I did air quotes. Um, was that it was a nominee for the Palme d'Or? Yeah, at, which at I mean, it's not. It's not. Yeah. 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 No, no, no. no, no but, but, it, but this is a guy who's won Oscars. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So. But like, and here's the thing. Here's the thing. You can't like being John Malkovich. Like, you can't say you you love being John Malkovich and say that you don't like this film. 
you know, because it's it's the same idea, which is the idea of like being able to see yeah. through your eyes, and it's about self and it's about introspection. It's about the experience. Well, it's not the same thing. I think that's that's way too reductive. <laughs> uh, that's way too reductive. But it's like it's. This is the most Charlie Kaufman film I think we're ever going to get. Probably. And, like, uh, you know, and it's, like, and it's wonderful. Yeah. It's a wonderful film, this you know, is, because yeah. it's, like, full of questions. It's full of wonder. It's full of, like, is this what's really happening? What's going on? And it's, like, it's like you're constantly trying to grasp at, like, you know, at, at anything to tether you and it's, they're constantly slipping out of your hands. And so it's like more of like a wash and an experience of like, and, and like, and that's kind of what Caden's experience of life is where it's like, he's not really tethered to anything and it's all kind of a wash and it's all kind of bleak, 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 you know? And like, he's so profoundly sad, you know, and like bothered and like, I don't know. There's just something so, you know, and like knowing the things about Philip Seymour Hoffman's life that we know now, like looking back on it, you know. So that's let me what ask you, for. good companion piece, Christopher Nolan's Inception? Is it, you know, like Inside and Inside? No, fuck that. <laughs> fuck that. Fuck that movie. See, see, fuck that, that movie. That, like, Inception is like the. the the, it's, it's not it's even. This, no, you, no. Know what, you know what that fucking movie is? Listen, listen. Like, I love Chris Nolan. Yeah. You know. You, you, call, him, you don't call him Chris or you call him Chris. Yeah, called. you know what? As one as one Chris to another Chris, um, he's, he's, he's an incredible director. But I feel like that movie, just because of, like, how many fucking stars can we – it's like Ocean's Eleven. It's like, okay, we fucking get it. You're famous. And you all hang out together and, like, <laughs> pat each other on the back. Aren't we great? Like, that movie drove me nuts with how many stars were in it. That's fair. But, um, but it's also – it's like – that was it's like oh well like I really get Inception yeah you know where it's like this movie it's like no one's like I'm trying so desperately to like get this movie you know Mm -hmm. because something about it really resonates with like how profoundly sad I am about how short my life is and how small my impact on the universe is and like how I I will never be able to do the things I so desperately want to do and to know the things and to be with the people I want to be with for as long as I want to be because I because we're so brief and so small you know and that's you know and those feelings of like just how uncomfortable that makes me is like you know a lot of what this film gives to me it's like what it reflects and like it's not about some like fucking you know heist that's happening inside <laughs> yeah, of someone's well, brain a... like no 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 no, no but no but i get it but it's, it's like but it's like random the... no i know yeah. well yeah nobody well. gets inception nobody gets inception you know because it's it pays like this movie it's a movie that is purposefully trying to mislead an audience and it's trying to be like yeah. daring and weird and like about the brain and all that and like it's a cool movie inception's a cool movie man like it's really <laughs> slick and it's really yeah. like fucking Hans Zimmer making like a million dollars to go like I love it you know but it's like you know but but and I'm I'm sure like my reaction to Inception is like because I want everyone in the world to love Synecdoche New York Mm -hmm. I want them to love it 
but like nobody wants to be like, oh, life's not shitty. Life's not shitty. And I'm like, no, it is, man. No, it really is. Like we can still enjoy it. We can still be hopeful yeah. and happy. Yeah. And love the people around us and love ourselves. But just call me next time you're at the doctor's office. <laughs> right. No, but like, but like, this is what life is like. Yeah. This is like, it's not all of life, but like, you know, as, as most films selectively show us the enjoyable parts of life yeah. and the digestible parts of life, um, this film purposely shows us the really hard parts of life and the parts of life that make us deeply uncomfortable and embarrassed and sad and lonely. You know, and it's just like neither of them is true, you know, but it's like to say that, like, this is good and Synecdoche, New York is bad is like I I just think like I I don't think it's fair. I I agree with you. And again, this is like I I think back to when I was like a little younger and I didn't realize that the things I liked other people could not like and that like Mm. that was okay, And like I. Like, I used to recommend movies to my mom. Like, Mom, I just saw this movie. It was really good. Like, movies like this. Yeah. And she'd watch it and be like, why did you make me watch that? Right. Like that, you know? Well, <laughs> right. And, and and Charlie Kaufman is like, because Charlie Kaufman is so invested in the kind of like, in being other. Like, he's not, you know, force of nature aside, he's not writing, uh, <laughs> he's not, well, he's not writing these kind of, like, very um, Hollywood scripts that are, like, meant to be easily, like, I'll say easily digest, digestible again. You know, like, like but, like... Or easily made. Like, look at the right. like, the few directors that have, you know, taken... And something, something that, like, really disappointed me, because, like, um, Eternal Sunshine came out when I was in high school, and, like... God, what a watershed movie that was for me. Like, just like, I was like, holy shit. Yeah. Holy shit, look at what art we can be. We were at such a great age. For look at what art can be. Like, I ran to the store to buy it when it came in on DVD. Um, and, like, w- like watched that movie obsessively. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, um, you know, Jim Carrey, another incredible actor. Um, you know, um, but it's like, and and the way that every, and and that movie was impeachable. Everybody loved that movie. Yeah, Everyone's right. like, oh my god, what a beautiful film! And like Kate Winslet, and like this, these feelings and all this thing. And it was just like so. And I felt so validated mm-hmm. because again, that's a movie that you kind of have to parse through and you kind of have to like really examine and whatever. Yeah, it's not like. And an I easy thought, fun watch. I thought we all agreed about like <laughs> that's what we were loving yeah, about in the, the movie. In the world where like, uh, you know feel like an outsider that was a very accepted and like part of a you know a big group liked it sure and then and then this movie came out and i was like great come on everybody come on everybody let's go charlie kaufman today and we like and like i like i went the day it opened i saw this i saw (laughs) uh, i saw this movie i saw this movie many times in theaters um oh yeah i'm (laughs) again like not you know not to demean religion or you know or spirituality or things but like i hold charlie kaufman in a reverence that i don't hold any other living living art that's not that's probably not true Deity. <laughs> uh, right it's it's like it's like well cuz cuz i'm not, i'm not a i'm not a religious person so yeah. it's like th- 
Charlie Kaufman and his work and that sort of thing is is the thing I hold up like that. Like a saint, you know? You yeah. Like a little like candle. With well, it's just like, you know, like I'm a big Shakespeare guy. And so I believe in these sort of transcendent artists that can kind of lift the entire human race sure. a little bit. And so like, and I hold Charlie Kaufman wow. at that level. Well, I think we can, if Charlie Kaufman's going to put himself in John Malkovich's head, I think we can put himself, ourselves in his head, right? And, and. But do we want to? That's like, that's like kind <laughs> well, that's, of, well, that's kind of like what the audience is like, uh, yeah, that's kind of like what the response was. <laughs> but the, uh, the what you're saying makes so much sense about Eternal Sunshine in terms of everyone loved it. But imagine for him, too. He's like, oh, wow, my, God, my art is validated. Oh, my God. My art I is validated. Just, just, just as the like, consumer, as the, as the, as the fans, you, we had like these they, thoughts. Yeah, they told then, me, yeah, they told me I couldn't make scripts like this and they would be popular, make money, and everyone would be talking about them. But I just did. Now let me do this. Right. Yeah. I just want, I want to say this, though. Like... Like Charlie, I'm sure Charlie Kaufman doesn't need another crazy fan. Um, you know what I mean? Like, I'm sure that's like the only kind of fans Char- Charlie Kaufman has. But like, Charlie, you're the fucking best. You do you, man. You do you because no one else, like no one else, is willing to be so unabashedly themselves and like to tangle with the ideas that you want to tangle with. You know, and like deal with the difficult questions that you want to deal with. And like, that's what I appreciate about this film. I appreciate how difficult this film is, you know, to deal with. 100%. Yeah, that's a perfect yeah. sentiment. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, uh, we, we feel similarly about Hoffman, unfortunately. We can't get any more of the Hoffman stuff. Yeah. Mm. Um, though, I think, could you picture anyone else in this role or in Hoffman's role? God, again, like I said, like nobody suffers. Like Phillips, yeah, I think he's perfect his role. He, like, he's like, he's just like on fire the whole thing. And when, like, he has that scene where he can't cry anymore, so he has to like put the fake tears in and wail with this box that he has sent to his daughter. Oh my god! Where it's like, yeah, because he he can't. He's so impotent that he can't even cry. He can't even experience his own emotions anymore. And it's like, no, man. Without without Philip Seymour Hoffman. And again, like a reason this was like such an important movie to me was it's like literally my two favorite artists in the world at that moment came together, created this piece of art that was like that you can watch again and again and again and again and like never feel like you master it or own it or whatever. Mm -hmm. Like you can continue to go back and it can continue to to befuddle you. you know, and no one could do this, but Phil, I mean, someone could do it. Diane Weist could do it. You <laughs> know, I think what this movie is really about is that Diane Weist at any moment Can could come it. and yeah. kick you out of your own life. And be like, no, <laughs> I'm you now. Fuck off. You know, like I'm, I'm just like, I'm so much better at being a human being. And like, and like, and that is something too, where it's like a great actor. Mm-hmm. Like there's this great anecdote about like Marlon Brando, who is like, he was a savant actor, like kind of an asshole, but a savant actor <laughs> sure. where he like goes into a party and like, whatever, whatever he says, like, Oh, and like this guy kind of annoys him. And he's like, Oh, cause he's like trying to ask Marlon Brando to like do an acting thing or whatever, yeah. you know, like one of those annoying things. And he goes like, all right. And he watches the guy for like two minutes and then just, and then impersonates him. And, like, impersonates him so well and impersonates him, like, so truly or whatever that he starts talking about things that he probably feels about himself that apparently this guy really did feel about himself that didn't ever um, externalize. And, like, the guy got deeply uncomfortable and left. And, like, you know, and so part of, like, being, like, a quote-unquote great actor is, like, having this kind of understanding of the human experience that perhaps 
you know, most of us don't have. Mm -hmm. And so, like, you know, the idea... Yeah, it's understanding and then showing it, you know? Right. And being like, oh, the reason I can play this cleaning lady is because I understand life and I understand what it is Mm -hmm. to be any person, you know? Mm -hmm. And, like, and I think one of the things that I love... And, like, and some actors, you know, can play anyone. But the thing about Philip Seymour Hoffman is that he couldn't play... I mean, like, Capote aside, which is, like, a real, real character piece. Mm-hmm. The, the the He had such mastery of his own vulnerability and his own weaknesses and was just, like, willing to bring them to the forefront in a way that, like, again, it just makes me uncomfortable. It makes... I imagine it made him uncomfortable. But just being willing to kind of, like, wallow in that. Um, I can't see anyone else doing this role. I can't. I, can't. I won't. I won't. No, I, I mean, I agree. I think it, it's perfect for him, and, and he's... Like, just from what we know about him and watch... We've seen all the films up to here, mm-hmm. most of the, the later ones. Like, this is just... It makes so much sense for him to be the lead in this film. Yeah, I can't. I I'll just keep it as brief as I can't see anyone else playing this character. I'm damn glad that they the, those two people collaborate. Yeah. Any, anything else you guys want to touch on for this particular film? I, mean, I, feel, I feel like you so made, much you, to talk you pretty about, much but, yeah. You have uh, stated your case. I'm sorry. Don't apologize. This you made me rethink this film as well. I'm like, shit, I gotta watch this again. There's just, like, yeah, again. I, wa- I watched it two days ago. I'm gonna watch it again. Yeah. yeah. There's like, there's a couple of movies that I'll like die on the hill of, and like, this is one of the movies, and this is like the high art. This is like the high art movie mm-hmm. that I'm like, no, 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 no. This is great. I understand that you disagree with me. Yeah. But you're just goddamn wrong. Yeah. You know what I mean? You're, allow- like- you're allowed to not like it, but you're not allowed to say it's bad. Right. Yeah. Right, right, right. It's like, uh, like I, I, this is an anecdote I tell my friends sometimes where it's like, I know the exact moment in which I will become like the, 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 um, the bigoted old man. And that's the time <laughs> when like someone from a younger generation tells me that the movie The Birdcage is an insensitive film. And I'll be like, no, it's an, it's a funny movie. It's a real funny movie. Yeah. Just enjoy it. And they'll be like, no, it's not funny because it's like all of these straight men playing these gay stereotypes. Yeah. And I'll be like, <laughs> you don't understand. Like the, like I'm yeah. going to die on the hill that the birdcage well, is a funny movie. You're not going to argue with us. We're big birdcage fans. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and like, and- <laughs> I'll, I'll die on the hill that this movie is a masterpiece. It's a masterpiece. It's a masterpiece of like being opaque and inaccessible and about the fact that none of us is ever going to have a complete mastery of our own lives and none of us are ever going to have the answers that we also desperately seek and all of these fictional characters that are represented in the movies that we watch and the film and like the uh, the books that we read they seem to have all the answers but no one has the answers mm-hmm. and this movie is not trying to give you any answers it's about continue and, and, and it, what this movie is it's about like even even if you took the time to literally recreate your life so that you could examine it perfectly from the outside, it wouldn't help. And you could keep going deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper into your own self-reflection. And all you'll do is piss away the impossibly small amount of time that all of us have to like live a life. Ooh, heavy. But Amen. So true. <laughs> Sorry, guys. <laughs> no, I mean, it's... Yeah. <sighs> I need to I need to think about things quietly for a little bit. I love this film. <laughs> 
So, Wit, uh, yes. where can people, I guess, follow you? Well, they can watch you in Drunk yeah, Shakespeare. Yeah, they can, uh, they can come see me at Drunk Shakespeare. Um, I post so infrequently on the internet about things and opinions, um, but which is probably for the best because, <laughs> as you can probably tell, they tend to be rants. No, but I mean, this is like, I, I can honestly say, and Kyle, probably one of our most passionate guests about the particular film that they were on. Oh, oh, most definitely. Oh <laughs> yeah. my God, whatever. I know like, that'll be that'll awesome. be a, that'll be an award we give out at the end of uh, the <laughs> for sure. Like, good. Like... I listen. I I'm proud. I will carry the mantle of this film forever, man. I love this goddamn movie. Tat- will you get a tattoo of it? I don't have any tattoos a tattoo because of the tattoo of the tattoo. Yeah, because a tattoo of a tattoo. right, right. No, no. Well, like it, it's like, and one of the things you know, because like the actors in this movie are like so perfectly uh-huh. the like worst things about actors you know which is like oh god I love it I love it so much it's like because it, I'm like oh I do that I do that I do that and like you know and I don't I don't because like I I love tattoos I love people with tattoos uh, my uh, great my, tattoos in this movie by the way yeah the yeah, crumbling yeah, 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 yeah. flower when we even get to the door no, but, like, yeah. But yeah, with, <laughs> Jesus yeah god we didn't do we, god that's the thing we, like, we talked about this movie for however long we talked about yeah. it like almost as long as the movie <laughs> Itself, and we haven't talked about anything. We haven't talked about anything because that's how dense this movie is. I feel um, like you could host a podcast just on this film, and get, but like, nobody would listen to it. Universe you know? episodes. Yeah, no, you could. You could. You really. Well, you would listen to it. Oh my. Oh my god. I would it, so. dive it so hard. I would mainline that hire, fucking podcast. Then you would hire someone to do the podcast, and then it would be right. Well, no. What I, I would I would podcast yes. myself listening to the, to the podcast, podcast, having the experience of listening to the podcast. Right. Well, happy it all starts with us yeah with this was awesome yeah thanks for having uh, me again, on, guys. Th- thank you for making the time oh uh, well, dude thanks for giving me a reason to watch this incredible film again um again hard hard watch uh but i think one of the richest films if you're somebody who is into self-reflection and is like really into kind of like the more bleak aspects of philosophy and like the idea of like cosmic despair Mm -hmm. and like cosmic scale um this movie is so beautiful it's so beautiful um i don't know thanks for having me on guys it's been a real pleasure so like always you can uh check out all the cage club stuff including our podcast on cageclub.me cageclub.me um a lot of great shows on there definitely check them out and uh kyle what do we have next week next week uh, we have a film. There's not that many great actors in it. It's Doubt, you know, Meryl Streep, <laughs> Amy Adams. Who are they? Womp womp. Yeah. Definitely a different, uh, different, different vibe than this movie. Very different yeah. vibe than this movie. More, I feel like that one's more simplified. Oh yeah, it's uh, just yeah. the movie's about like one idea the whole time. I mean, you know, I, I'm sure. I, wait, wait, so, we'll I talk about Donna is so yeah. angry right now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But uh, and wit, we end our show with uh, a guest saying our little tagline, if you would. Absolutely, guys, stay uncool. Live in a burning house. It's a great. It's a great life choice. It's a beautiful yeah. metaphor about the lives we live in. Being warm is uncool. No? Yeah. Oh yeah. Wow. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks, guys.
sexy thing you 